Hello everyone, it's Saturday, August 5th. Welcome to Pop Goes the Girls, where we, two sisters born a decade apart, take a foray through our respective journeys through pop culture. I'm Daisy Kosh. And I'm Chelsea Davidson. This episode is not sponsored by Starburst, despite the fact that we will be eating them the entire episode. Yay! This week is the opening week of our Brat Pack Month. Molly Ringwald will be the focus of this episode, so naturally we will be discussing the works of our favorite 80s redhead, and I'm also a redhead, so... And I'm also a redhead. Well, I don't know what you are. You're like a blonde that we got are descendant, strawberry. We strawberry are, blonde. We are descendants not of the our grandmother, She's, who was a, a redhead. Ginge. You're not a true ginge like me and Molly. We feel a little bit more connected. We have, like, something going on. You're lying to yourself <laughs> and to all of our listeners. I'm not lying. I'm yes, not you lying. are. Me and Molly are, are we're, we're kindred spirits. No. We're not blonde like you. We're just not. No. Now is the perfect time to tell you all that we do spoil things during our podcast, so leave now or forever prepare yourself for the worst. Just yeah, the worst. for all the pop culture spoilers. Exactly. So each week we talk about pop culture artifacts that shaped us and why they're memorable to us. And this week, now you won't tell me exactly, so even I'm a little bit in the, in the dark, but we're going to have some fan theory fight clubs, which is my favorite segment, but you're kind of You make it sound like we've got, cl- we've got clubs set up over town where there's fan fight theory clubs. Fight club. First rule of fan theory fight club is you don't talk about fan theory fight club. The second rule of fan theory fight club is that you don't leave me in charge is of it. bring cookies. Always bring cookies. Oh, okay. So this is... I don't know the rules, clearly. <laughs> yeah, you're not in it. You're not in the club. Okay. Where we argue the merits or detriments of some of the fa- fan theories. That's this segment. And we'll... Um, we'll get into... this segment. It's the segment to come. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and uh, we just... I, I, I love this segment, but I really want to know... Like, you won't tell me what's going on. You I know. You're, you're holding You want to know why I don't tell you? Because when I tell you the fan theory, you interrupt. Do you remember when I told you about Friends? And you're like, oh, well, she speaks French. And I was like, shut up, woman. I'm getting, I'm getting into there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm supposed to sit here and have no emotions? You're supposed to I'm sit here. I'm not dead inside like an ice queen. You digest what I've told <sighs> you, and you spit out what you feel after. Oh, I was digesting the food that was given to me. I know you okay. ate my whole Milky Bar. Yes. Yes. Can it be a Milky Bar week every week? <laughs> Just, I butter you up with them before we get We're to the main course. We're not sponsored by Milky Bar either, but if you want But shout out again to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely devoured it. But I'm okay with Starburst. I'm cool. I'm cool with this. I love the strawberry one so anyway, much. Get, get to it, sister. Okay, and lastly, we'll play a quick round of Twist the Sister, where one of us loves something that the other hates, doesn't like particularly, doesn't know anything about, doesn't care to watch it read it, whatever it is. And whatever. we open it up to a poll for you, our lovely listeners, to decide which sister is right. Whoever that may be. So, uh... So tell me what's going on. Okay, Stop so pe- keeping me in the dark. pop culture artifact for this week is The Breakfast Club. What's that? Sushi. Sushi? <laughs> Rice, uh, raw fish, and seaweed. You won't accept a guy's tongue in your mouth and you're going to eat that? Can I eat? I don't know. Give it a try. Don't you forget about me. Don't, 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 don't. Okay. So, um, I'll go first just because I'm really excited. Breakfast Club was the first Molly Ringwald movie that you had me watch. Uh, I think I was eight. I, I feel like I'm being yelled at. I think I was eight. I loved it. I ate it and left no crumbs. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. It is a great movie. Um, it also introduced me to John Hughes, because I didn't know who John Hughes was, other than the fact that 
he was the mastermind behind Home Alone, and I didn't know that. And he made National Lampoons, and I thought that was obviously a phase he went through, and he got out of it. Um, but he did The he Breakfast Club, which makes me so happy inside. Like, it just, it fills my soul with so much warmth and joy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I love the ensemble. It's an ensemble dream for me, because I feel like they're such good archetypes of the characters they're playing. Okay. It's just, it's it's perfect. It's just, it's so good. It's so choice. It's so choice. It's men. Like, no, we're not going to okay, do that. Okay, we're, get, we're um, getting into anyway, other Rat Pack movies Personally, now. for me... I was a sucker for Ali Sheedy's Allison character. Um, I loved her. I love that she was, like, that, like, weird loner who seemed to be, like, observing things, but she wasn't really in anything. And I also love Judd Nelson as Bender because he felt like one of those kids that was a rebel, but he's a rebel that you love, like, watching it. But you know that if you were in school with this kid, you'd be terrified. Um, but yeah, he plays Bender in it, and she plays Allison, and I, I loved them. They were my favorites when watching it. And watching it now, you know, I do like other characters as well, but they're still, you know, my favorites. Uh, I thought it was an amazing teen movie, and I also love the fact that when you watch the movie, it does a really good job at making you feel like your feelings are valid because everyone else is feeling them too. Because one of the things that feels like is dividing them in the series is, oh, I've got my own shit, and you've got your own shit... And then they have a whole scene where they realize, we're all going through the same crap. Why are we not talking about it? Why aren't we friends? Why, are, why, is this, why is there a divider between all of us that is separating us and the way we're perceived by society? Which I really liked. And I also love the dialogue. The dialogue for me was the topper. Like, some of the yeah. insults, some of the stuff that happens, like actions. Claire. I, my I, name is Claire. Yeah, it's a family name. That is actually connected to what I'm going to be talking about in the fan theory fight club, okay. so we're not going to get into that fully. But okay. one of my favorite scenes is when they're having lunch, and um, Brian, who is Anthony Michael Hall, uh, he pulls out his lunch, and he and uh, Judd Nelson sits next to him, and he, because he's, like, supposed to be the rebel, and he's, like, the geek, uh, he turns around, and he says to him, he pulls out a thermos, and he thinks there's milk, and he goes, milk? He says, no, soup. And he goes to reach for his lunch that Judd Nelson's pulled away to start nope. pulling stuff out. And he slaps his hand in such a cartoony way yeah. for me that I crack up every time I see it. Like, I sit there, I have to yeah. pause it because I think it's so funny. Because you just hear the smack of him being like, no, not for you. Um, it, it, I just I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. I, I love the dialogue. I love that they all have different backstories. But the one thing that ties them all together... They all hate their parents and authority figures because they feel like they don't understand them, they don't love them, they don't care about them. Yeah. And I thought that even though I didn't have that situation, like, I didn't feel like, you know, mom and dad didn't understand me or they didn't get me or they didn't love me, but I felt like I can understand that emotion within them. So, yeah, I loved it. Once again, emotional impact drew me in and the dialogue kept me watching. So I started watching... Oh, and the soundtrack. The other thing, I love the soundtrack. One of the smart things that John Hughes, who wrote The Breakfast Club, one of the smart things he did, he, he did. One of the smart things he, he did. He did. One of the smart things he did was that he um, thought about how integral music is to teenagers. And when he was making his movies or being part of movies, because he wasn't always the director, he always insisted on getting the rights to the songs because he kind of first saw 
that there were going to be legal issues later on in life. I mean, there are, there were entire TV series like The Wonder Years where music was a key part of the series and they had to fight a huge battle in terms of royalties to use that music. And sometimes it's just a matter of a waiting game, waiting for the copyright to... to you know, come through. <laughs> yeah. To, no, no, for the copyright to, to run out. Yeah. So that they can say, okay, this is public domain, well, I can use it now. <laughs> yeah, and um, so that I think is very interesting. So it's a good point that you make that the soundtrack is so important. Yeah. Um, for me, it is definitely an artifact for me because I find that I was coming of age, I was a like a preteen almost in high school when I first saw this movie and it kind of gave me like I didn't know what high school was going to be like. So you watched it like twenty years, would you say, after it originally came out? Because it's an eighty-five movie. Um, I don't know. Roughly, sure. I don't know. I really don't know. Anyway, it felt just as clear as day, even if it was like if it was twenty years. Let's say it was twenty years, but I yeah. think it, I think it was less than that. Anyway, um, if it was twenty years it was still as relevant in my opinion. It was such a well written movie. Um, it doesn't hit you over the head with with what it's saying, but at the same time, it really has an impact. It doesn't have to be It doesn't have down. to be in your face. It doesn't have to talk down to you in order for you to qu- quite, uh, quite clearly understand what is going through their experience. And if you're a teenager, it feels particularly impactful because what they're going through is a unique circumstance for each of the different people that that happens to have detention on this Saturday and they're all living very different lives but I think there's a lot of people who can relate to what's going on like if you're you may feel one way or the other you don't have to be a teen to enjoy it but a t- with a teen, it feels closer to this is what I'm going through, which in, is one of the things that's reflected in retrospect, the movie. I ha- I like all of the characters more now yeah. than when I was a teenager because I I you related to I, one or two of yeah, them, not all. Of them. I had less empathy as a teenager, and as I grew older, I have more empathy for all of them. Yeah, when you're a, when when you yourself are like that character, yeah. it feels like I I get it. You know, my problems too, bud. But then, like, when you're older, yeah. you're like, geez, they all had some shit going on. Yeah. But yeah, I love look, it. Yeah. It's it's a great movie. One, um, one unique thing for me... I can, Molly Ringwald, I would or I would argue, is not the star of this movie, although it made... For me, it feels like Judd Nelson is. Hold on. Hold off a second. Calm down. Molly Ringwald, I don't think, is the star of this movie because I don't think there is a star of this movie. Yeah. I but think No, no, no. I mean, like, if you had to pick balanced. a person... Even though John Hughes basically said that Molly Ringwald, the janitor. yeah, he he, he the is janitor. in all of his stuff. Um, but um, Ali Sheedy's parent who fact, just drives off. The fact I thought that John Hughes actually makes a cameo in it as um, Brian's dad. I love that so much. Yeah, I and no one notices it. it. The vanity plates. Yeah. I love that. That's something I didn't notice the first time. There's vanity yeah. plates for some of the parents that yeah. speak to what is a priority to them. Yeah. I, I love... Every detail is thought about. Yeah. But John Hughes basically said that Molly Ringwald was his muse at one point because he just kept writing stuff yeah. with her in mind. So you'd think it would be her movie because of that and also because we're talking about it for Molly Ringwald week. But I feel like if you had to pick one person that did a performance for me that, like, shined above the rest, for me it's like a tie between 
uh, Judd Nelson being Bender because of all of the, like, he was a very yeah. loud character and he was very upfront and about... And he thrusts his hand in the yeah. air and everyone remembers that moment. Right but I end. also think that it's connected a little to the fact that Brian, who's Anthony Michael Hall, him doing the whole letter and really understanding the experience that they all went through, he also, I feel like because they kind of singled him out is up there for, I think, more of, like, the main person within the ensemble, but it's very much an ensemble movie. They yeah. all contribute to it. Um, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that. There's fan theories connected to Brian specifically. Like, there's a million for, for So this is where I want to know book, what the hell's going on. Because you won't because, tell me about what's going on. Because there were so many on. that contradict each other. I didn't actually touch Brian when it came to the fan theories. There are two fan theories. No one touches Brian. Yeah. No one does, literally. He's the only one that doesn't have a possible couple at the end of that movie. Yeah, no one's um, touching Brian. Uh, except for Brian. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but oh, I, I'll get into the fan theories once we start talking about our second movie that we're going to be discussing, which is Pretty in Pink. Hi, how's your day? Baby pumps out about 300 decibels, huh? Oh. Could you do this? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I was just using your powder room, and I decided not to disturb you, so I was going to go out the back door. But I guess I must have touched something. How'd you get in here? Are you mad? Yes, I'm mad. There are public bathrooms all over the place. I'm not nine, Andy. I know that. It's, it's the end of the month. They're out of toilet seat covers. I love Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink. You like it my... more than I do, and I... and. The reason behind me not liking it as much was because of the ending, which they tried to fix with some kind of wonderful, but that just feels like a slap in the face, considering how much I enjoy Pretty in Pink. I actually rewatched Pretty in Pink the other night. Um, Pretty in Pink was my favorite, and and I love Breakfast Club, and I've watched it a Breakfast lot. Breakfast Club is always my favorite. But Pretty in Pink was my absolute favorite. I don't know why, but it spoke to me the most out of all of them. Maybe because I think I'm it's because so you have such a good villain as well, like. It, for for I, me, if you have a good villain, I you're love in. Molly Ringwald, and I also love Annie Potts, and I think that might have been it because I just Annie kept, really just pulled you in. I freaking love. She plays uh, Iona. Iona. Yep. Yeah, and Iona is applause, applause, applause. <laughs> I love her so much. Yeah, she is my. She might be my favorite character in this movie because. I know. I with Clutch Ducky, my pearls. With Ducky. You have it. John Cryer's Ducky there, and Iona is your favorite? I think Iona might be my. Oh, is it because of what? wishful makeuping? Is it because of the wishful makeuping? I don't know. <laughs> she's so funny. The the scene where she's dancing with Molly Ringwald. Yeah. She's just, just hold me like a she's, little she, longer. Like, she's just. Where's she from in your head? I can't do her accent. I absolutely. She's clearly, love like, it. stuck in, like, 50s, 60s when she's dancing with her, too. Like, she's yeah. back to her prom. I love That's her story. She, she tells a story about her friend. She says, I had a friend who didn't go to prom, and she's, she's talking about how, whether or not it's a good idea to skip yeah. your prom. She says she skipped her prom. She says, and then every once in a while, she'll check her, her keys, she'll check her purse, she'll check she, her kids. She, she goes, I'm forgetting something, but that was it. She wasn't forgetting anything. She just decided that it was yeah. a, a side effect of, of skipping skip the prom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's it's such a funny line. She delivers it so well. Like if you if you know her most people know her from Ghostbusters, unfortunately. Or 
young Sheldon now as the grandmother. Oh, yes. She's Mima. That's true. That's true. She's young had Sheldon, like a whole. She's had thing. a resurgence. I loved her in uh, Good Christian Bitches. I loved her. Me that too. As well. I love her in Good Christian. She's been in so many designing GCB. women. Designing women. She's from. But yeah. people do know her very much because of Ghostbusters. Because she, you know Ghostbusters. What do you want? Like that's how she answers the phone. Yeah. Which is truly. She has barely a role in that, and I feel like that's such a waste of talent. <laughs> Um, um, anyway, she is one of my favorite characters in the movie, and I relate a little bit because I find that if you work, you don't always work with people that are your own age, and yet you preach. still minus, m manage to find common ground with them. And I found through most of my career, not always, that there was a period of time The entirety where, of my career I've worked with people that are younger than me. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> there's been a few instances... Okay, hold on. Sorry, I'm just, I'm trying to get in. I want my pink starburst. There you go. You go to town. Continue. So, most of my career, not most of Daisy's career, but most <laughs> of Chelsea's career, because we're talking about me right now, I have worked with people that are older than me, and I find that you relate. You still find a way to, to talk to each other, despite the yeah. fact of your age, right? Age is not the defining... Uh, friendship stone in the friendship necklace. <laughs> it's really not... I'm not sure I followed that, but okay then. <laughs> we anyway. have to be the same age to get your co-workers. Alright, Tiffany's. So moving on, I find that that relationship is very realistic. We should not have opened the Starburst, because it's just like just a solid mass in my mouth right now. Oh, that sounds bad. <laughs> that sounds really bad. Oh. There's a part of me, because I'm watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, right now I've been like, title of Chelsea sex tape. Title, title of Chelsea I sex had like, tape. I yeah. had like a Jake There's a solid moment. mass in my mouth right now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> now I'm joking. I'm so, I love her character. Ducky, yes, I agree. Ducky is very, very funny. He has some of the best lines in the movie. He has the best dance And ones. his sheer frustration and overwhelming love for Andy is such a, a like such a heart-wrenching thing if you've ever had unrequited love which let's face it you've got to have had unless you're a, a total player unless you're a total hundred and you've never experienced it in your life you've got to have uh, had a crush on someone and they don't reciprocate and that or is, they're blind to it yeah or, or they're blind to it this movie is like next level and one of the other things i loved about pretty in pink was that she is fortunate enough to be going to a school and getting her education at a good school, despite the fact she's a scholarship. She's on the, she's she's on the wrong part of town. Yeah, she's a scholarship student, and she's very, very smart, and she's taking it seriously, and she's working really hard because she wants to better her life. But there, she's surrounded by a bunch of rich kids who give zero fucks, and uh, she just has a distaste for them as a result, and she doesn't want to date a Richie, and that's kind of what the whole story is about. It's a Romeo and Juliet between Richie's and Pori, basically. Richie's and Pori's? Richie's and Pori's. Yeah. You got a Richie and you got a Pori. Um, for me, I I love Pretty in Pink because of Ducky. John Cryer is just my spirit animal in the movie. Um, <laughs> but I love the dialogue once again. I love specifically the fight that you and I used to repeat to Blaine? ourselves. His name is Blaine. Blaine. That's a that's a major appliance. That's not a name. Yeah. I loved it so much because it, it, it. After he said it, I was like, yeah, he's a total Maytag. And when he sets when he when he sets off the alarm and comes in, and she goes, 
Ducky, what are you doing? She says, I need to use the washroom. Yeah. She's like, it's the end of the month. They're out of toilet seat covers. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. And she's like, why don't you use the front? And he's like, we're friends, you know? And what I find amazing. And then later when she, she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And she says, wishful makeup. And he's like, what, yeah. you know, what, I'm what's here. wrong? I'm here. You yeah. know, let's go. Let's plow. Yeah. Like, he's so excited. <laughs> um, and, and he's, I he's also so oblivious. Love, and there's also the iconic scene for anybody, like, I think if you search Pretty in Pink on... Daisy, what are you doing? I'm trying to get more pink out. I like the pink ones. Pretty in Pink? We're talking about Pretty in Pink, and you are hunting for pink Starburst. I am. Oh, my the God. The strawberry are the best. Anyone who disagrees, you're a fool. Okay, so... I know I'm alienating people with that, but like, that's just how I feel. Yeah. You know you're alienating people? You're calling people fools. What are you, Mr. T? I pity the fool. It doesn't like the strawberry Starburst. Anyway. I forgot what I was saying. Just seeing if you type in pretty and pink. Oh, if you're like a TikTok user and you write in pretty and pink, the thing that is most likely going to come up for you is the scene where Otis Redding's... Try a little tenderness. Yeah, sorry, I got too much food in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, like you said, Otis Redding's Try a Little Tenderness. Where he lip syncs put it. on. Iona puts this old record on because she knows it pisses off the neighbor. And so she does that before she heads home, just to get her kicks before she has to deal and with, all you with her bad relationships. Flying into the record store is where John they Cryer, who actually him himself had asked John Cryer had asked to do the sequence because he really enjoyed doing the sequence and he practiced the sequence and they threatened to cut it, but him and John Hughes kept it in it. Very grateful for that. Good, good idea because yeah. it's the thing that most people Howard, remember. Howard Deutsch understood the assignment and was like, "I'm not going to take that." Director from you. Howard Deutsch. Yes. yes, who is Zoe Deutsch's dad? If you know Zoe Deutsch, you know know her father. Um, but um, I I love that scene. But I also think the villain being um, James Spader. Mm, yeah, he's an exceptional villain, as everyone knows. He's always been an exceptional villain. But I absolutely love him in this because he, he's exactly what you imagine a rich, entitled boy to be like. Just a snarky motherfucker. And even though he's supposed to be friends with her love interest... Because he likes Andy. There's a clear divide between them. And it's not because he's, you know, elitist. It's because he also fancies her and doesn't have the balls to be a decent guy about it. Mm-hmm. And everyone can see it. No, no, that's wrong. Not everyone can okay. see it. Well, everyone watching the movie can see it. <laughs> As an audience member, we know. Like, he, he leans against her car and he's like, when are you going to accept a date with me? And she's like, go to hell. Like, she hates yeah. his guts. Because he's such a dick. Mm -hmm. I specifically love the fight that occurs between John Cryer and him in the hallway. Yeah. I sit there, and you know how Judd Nelson's pumping his fist in Breakfast Club because he feels like, you know, <laughs> I got the girl just once? I'm sitting there pumping my fist because I'm like... Hit him in the face, John Cryer, beat the shit out of him, Ducky. Like, I'm, I'm like, go, go, go. I was so, like, Ducky I Ducky is the unsung hero of this movie, and I can understand why why people love Ducky so much. And I mean, there are a whole, I, I think my DVD is Everything's Ducky Edition. Yeah. Like, it's it's truly, people love, love Ducky. They don't give a fuck about Blaine, who's supposed to be the leading man. Yeah. They really care about Ducky. And, um... I he's, get it. <laughs> for me, he's, he's the funny, best part of it for and me. he's the one that stands up for Andy more than anybody else. Yeah, there's a whole there's a theory that he's actually crazy, and I didn't appreciate it because I like <laughs> him so much, so I didn't want to talk about that today. I do have two fan theories though. 
Okay. First one being that Molly Ringgold's characters in Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Pretty in Pink are in fact the same person. Even though they have different names, I'm getting into this. <laughs> I'm getting into this because we have to know how I get angry about names. names are different. So <laughs> to start it off, you've got Sixteen Candles mm. now. Due to her parents and family in general forgetting her birthday, Sam begins to act out. This is the she, plot of Sixteen she, Candles. Yes. Okay. She go. She goes for a guy who she doesn't, you know, normally go after. He's like the dream guy, even though he's not that good of a person because he dishes Jake Ryan with a deek with a deek with a geek. Um, Jake Ryan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she acts out. She go. She wants to be with him, uh, and her parents send her to live with relatives in Shermer, Illinois. Because of her acting out. Now, do you remember what happens in Shermer, Illinois? What happens in Shermer, Illinois? The Breakfast Club happens yes. in Shermer, Illinois. I knew that. So Sam is a very smart student, as you've seen in Sixteen Candles. So she tells people that her name is Claire, so she can have sort of a fresh, clean slate. They don't have to know her situation. They don't have to know that she's been forced to live but there hold on. with someone she's, else. She's moved in with whom? I'm getting there. Rich parents? Stop. Rich mommy and daddy? Not wanting to reveal why she's in a new school and why she's living with relatives, um, she says her name is Claire. But in order to fit in with the popular kids, she skips class to go shopping, gets caught, ends up in detention. Okay. Now, I'd like to point out, because of the fact that she's she says rich. she says her name is Claire, there is no there's no indication that yeah. she's rich. Yes, there is. No. Because I thought about this. I thought about this. She's got diamond freaking earrings. Those could be a family members that she's, like, using for her outfits. Okay. But the thing that gets me is, he never says her name is Claire. Paul Vernon, you know, Mr. Vernon, the principal, mm-hmm. he never calls her Claire. He never says her name. He never says Sam. He never says Mindy. He never says Joe. He never says Carol. He doesn't call her any name. She's the one that says to Bender when he says, what's your name? And she says, Claire. And he says, Claire. Yeah, it's a family name. So she's you know, using that as her identity for this fan theory, okay? Okay, alright. But because she ended up in detention, Go on. to get back at her parents and relatives some more, she kisses John Bender and pursues another bad boy who they also don't approve of. So they figure, got another friggin' problem. They uh, are more upset now, so they send her to live with more relatives, because you know how relatives can live, you know, nearby each other within a certain state. Her dad a is a big part of Pretty in Pink. Hold on. Explain that one. Hold on. So they send her off to live in the suburbs of Chicago, which brings me to Pretty in Pink, where she meets people like her, changing her name to Andy Walsh. She befriends Ducky, Iona, that other girl that she's friends with, who she turns around and she says to that really bitchy girl, she goes, I hope they shrivel up and fall off. Mm -hmm. Like me, I can't remember her name. So Um, good. Not Kim. Um, Jenna. Jenna. Uh... It's Jenna. She then falls for Blaine. Her friend is named Jenna. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I was trying to get the actress's name, but we're... It's fine. Jenna. She befriends Ducky and Iona and Jenna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and falls for Blaine. Uh, and at this point, she feels most at ease in this town and ends up staying here and eventually graduating she here, She doesn't seem at ease in this town. But, uh, she, but now she's more studious. She knows don't go after the boy. Yeah. Don't go after... The, the really awesome guy. Go for the guy who's so quiet. We have to, we have to ignore all of the, the families, the family plot lines, and the parents in order for this to be a valid theory. That's the one problem. 
Yeah. I was I was down with her being like super smart. Maybe she's got a psychosis where she's imagining her family. Yeah. It's and all... so does Ducky because he has the conversation too with her father. Yeah. Um, and so is her other boyfriend. He must be psychotic. To, no, that starts off the whole theory. So no, that could be real. That anyway, be real. Um, that was my only issue with it was the fact that they wanted to ship her from relative to relative, but her dad is such a crucial part of. It's a mediocre theory. Of pretty and pink, and I was like, oh damn. Yeah, yeah. The pretty, rest of it I can get on board with. It, when they get there, I'm like, it's a nice arc. Of like going from. Because they they only know what going from shows boy crazy going from like turning sixteen and being hormonal and being boy crazy to like studious and trying to stay away from the bad boys and that kind of thing. Be it's work a nice smarter, arc. not harder. <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> a nice arc, definitely. But no, this the parents work. is the thing that bothers me with it, especially the father because he's so key and so important. Yeah, to I love him in it. Yeah, he's a great actor. The second theory. This I feel like when looking back at it, I was like, of course, but sometimes that works great with. So we're gonna double fan theory. Yeah. Okay. This one, however, is connected to the Breakfast Club. This theory suggests that Bender, who's Judd Nelson, and Allison, who's Ali Sheedy, they actually know each other before the Breakfast Club takes place. Oh, I totally buy that. <laughs> now, <coughs> this is connected. Because at the very start of the movie, when they all come in there, and they all sit down, John Bender, he says, I've seen you, and points and nods at Ali Sheedy's character. And they both kind of dress, like, gothic-y, too. Little, little... He also, um, they dance together in the whole dance sequence. Yeah. He doesn't dance with Claire, but he does dance with Ali Sheedy. Claire? Is, is it really Claire? Yeah. Is it Sam? Is it Andy? Who knows? Who knows? Um, okay. He doesn't dance with Molly Ringwald. He dances with Ali Sheedy, is my point. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean He anything. also never... He's known for antagonizing he everyone else. He doesn't antagonize her. He doesn't say anything to her. He yeah. doesn't antagonize her once throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And this is So, so there's a benefit to acting like a crazy person. People will leave you so the it's fuck spec- alone. It's speculated that he's actually somewhat protective of her because with him seeing her around, he's seen that she's often alone. She looks sad and lonely. Mm-hmm. So. She's it, a loner. He, he kind of is like, I feel that same energy. A kindred spirit. Yeah. So, he doesn't approach her because mm-hmm. of him being with his friends. Who they, they It's clear that his friends are the rough crowd, yeah. based on how the movie is presented. He's looking at other situations and thinking they think that they're better than him. He, she never thinks that she's better than anyone. Yeah. And his friends, like, reinforce his ideology. So, he sees her and he, like, he wants to be protective of her, and he wants to be friends with her, but he doesn't because of his own friends, which yeah. is similar to what yeah. the others say which happened to them. the things that he's accusing all of his, all of the others of doing. Mm-hmm. He's projecting. Yeah. Hypocritical. This also explains why, when asked whether he would be friendly with all of them on Monday, and he says, Allison, she made kind of like a half cry, half laugh, like weird noise. She makes an odd sound, yes. Because he says he would be friends with her. He would treat her normally. He hasn't, like, confirmed anyone else, but he did say he'd be like that for her. Yeah. And it also is why when Brian asks Claire if she would, you know, are things going to change on Monday, 
Allison says to her, with all of us or just John, because there's more of a bond between them, yeah. there's a bit of a bias with the questioning. Yeah. So that's a theory, that they know each other. I, bu I buy that theory. Yeah. I easily buy that theory. I thought, that's I not thought a stretch was, And all. I was like, of course they know each other. They go to the same high school. Then I was like, wait. Maybe not. But then, like, they could know each other because of all this backup information. That's, that's so it's very plausible. But I think they all know each other to a certain extent, like what you just said. Yeah. Yeah, they all know of each other. Yeah. They just don't know each other. But I think that's what the theory is, that they, they actually know each other, but they just... It's more than the superficial, I've seen them in the hall. Oh, I don't agree with that. But, like, they kind of run in the same circles-ish. No, they don't. She has no circle. She has zero <laughs> circle. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it's portrayed that they know each other. It's not specified the extent in which they know each other, but they know each other better than the superficial way that the rest of them know each other. Not know each other like we're buddies. Yeah. But, like, we may have had a conversation where I was like, do you have a cigarette? And I said no. You know? It's possible. Anyway. I've got strawberry stuck in I know. my tooth. You're having a hell of a time talking. I, I'm watching I'm you. I'm actively trying to suck it out of my molar. Yeah. It is stuck to my tooth. Do, do you have a, a, what is it, a a large mass in your mouth? Mm. <laughs> a solid mass? Always, Chelsea, no. <laughs> oh it is gosh. stuck to my molar, like actively stuck. Yeah, gotta suck on that mass. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> on to our twisted sister, which Chelsea needs to twist me on. We will oh, no. be discussing 16 Candles. Now, don't give me that pouty look of yours. You can eat your carrots when you get home. That's it? You don't have anything else to say to me today? What would you like me to say, Sam? Come on now, honey. You're going to miss the bus. Have a good day. I can't believe this. They fucking forgot my birthday. We kind of already discussed Sixteen Candles because you just went hard and fast with that uh, fan theory fight club. Um, but yeah, I think Sixteen Candles is a good movie. I I appreciate Sixteen Candles in a different way. Sixteen Candles seems, while the other ones are more dramatic in my opinion, they have more drama uh, and more serious moments, and I would categorize them as dramedies. Sixteen Candles has far less drama, it is more of a solid comedy, everything is played for laughs, nothing is taken too seriously. I mean, it feels it, more like the traditional movie color. of the time. Yeah, some of it's really off-color. It reminds me more of a movie that would be like um, Animal House. Which, yeah. Which I th I think uh, National Lampoon's was kind of an inspiration mm. for uh, John Hughes, so you can see where that kind of comes into it. Um, that is more along the lines for for this movie. And it it's more silly, it's more fun... But it, it, there's less seriousness to it, so I get why it kind of falls down, you know, you know, down the side. Off to the side. Uh, yeah, off to the side for you in terms of uh, movies. But I think it's a legitimately a very good movie in the sense that she has to start dealing with the maturity aspects of being 16 because most people don't remember your birthday. Like, as you get older, your birthday means shit to a lot of people. You might have somebody like special in your life that will celebrate it, whether it be your best friend, whether it be your, your spouse or significant other. No, no, but it, in general, it becomes less of an important thing to other people. And, because like, you're not having the party, you're not having, you know, the smaller It just circle. means less. It means less, right? Yeah. And so she's growing up, 
She turned 16, albeit she's turning 16. Like she's and it's still, supposed to be your sweet 16. She's still, you know, but the reason they I forgot her birthday, just went, the reason they forgot that. her birthday is they're planning a fucking wedding. For like, the day after her for birthday. For her sister, her spoiled sister. Yeah. Who's a little bit nutty as it is, dealing with all of the in-laws and everything that comes along with that. Like, there's a lot going on. So it's... It's not unfair. It is completely reasonable that they've forgotten her birthday. The thing that bothers me that they forgot her birthday is you'd remember that your kid's birthday is the day before the other kid's wedding. You'd remember that because you have an important yeah, date right on the by outset. it. On the outset, you would remember that. But you it's would, the day before. You'd I be know. like, oh yeah, we have to celebrate that birthday, then we have the wedding the next day. Wonderful this weekend is a time, ahead. This is a time before whiteboard calendars and your cell phone reminding you of everything and Facebook giving you a notification that it's someone's birthday. None of that shit existed. If you didn't have it all up here, you didn't have it at all. So this is a case of mother of the bride brain, because let's face it, the father's actively talking to her about it and doesn't even think about it as well. Um, yeah. I do love the scene, the father-daughter scene in the, this with Sam and her dad. When she's laying on the couch? When she's laying on the couch. Yeah. I, I think it's a particularly moving scene. But it, it, this is one of those, like, you're growing up movies. And I, I like it for that because it's it's much more light. This is one that I will watch just for laughs, just for giggles. Um, whereas the other ones I am far more focused on. I could watch this in the background and I know it well enough that it, it, it would just make me giggle. Um, there is, however, some really controversial, like, trigger Long warning. dong. Tri no, trigger warning scenes in this um, with uh, the handing off of a girlfriend that he really doesn't want to deal with anymore to someone. Which is why Jake Ryan is not a good guy. Jake Ryan is not a good guy. Um, if you remove that scene, though, people do love Jake Ryan. Um, people love Jake Ryan because he has an interest love, in the protagonist. They still love Jake Ryan, yeah. That's yeah. why they love him. They don't give a shit about the fact that he's a shit boyfriend to his current girlfriend. Yeah. They want him to dump her ass to get with Molly Ringwald. That's what yeah. they want. It's a bit of the, that's they a messy ignore situation. It. Yes. They ignore it entirely. And what you said as well. Long, by the way. <coughs> by the way. Long Duck Dong. Although extremely racially insensitive character. One of my favorite characters in this movie. I think he's absolutely hilarious. The idea What's of this happening hot stuff. The idea of this foreign exchange student that just kind of catapults to the top and has a hell of, of the a great social time. hierarchy of a high school has a great great time. He has the best night of his life while she's thinking this is the worst night of her life. Yeah, it, it is truly a uh, a perspective changer <laughs> because he's having a great time and it's her birthday and she's miserable. She is just so grumpy and she's veering towards a negative and Long Duck Dong is just living his best life. Yeah, he's having a great time. Um, it's Long Duck Dong's movie for me. I absolutely love every scene he's in. Oh yeah. Well, do you know what people remember? People I, remember married. what's happening. Uh, I love Married. Yeah. He goes, married? what do you mean? Yeah, married. she's getting mad because he cannot, he doesn't know the sisters apart. Like, the, the family he's staying with, he doesn't know them all He doesn't know yet. their names well enough yeah. to know who he's referring to. She's getting married. So her married? sister is getting married, but he, married. but every time they say Sam, he says, she's at the church getting married. Yeah. And he can't wrap his head um, around. So, we, so that's when he finds her. you peed on my face, and, you know, what's you happening? You peed on my face. Stuff? Yeah, remember he turns around and he's just like, ah, and he slams the door and he says, you peed on my face, get out of here before I call the police. And he turns around. Peed on my face. Yeah, he says, you peed on my face. And he says, you grabbed my nuts. 
And he, he's like, oh, that was you? And he opens the door. And he's, that's when he, that's the moment he says she's getting married. He doesn't say you peed on my face. Yes, he does. He says you peed on my face. That is what he says. Watch the movie. I'm going to have to go back because I'm pretty sure that's not the line. Yeah. Otherwise, I've been mishearing it the, like, 12 this, times this I've is, seen this, this movie. This is the twisting of the sister. Twist me to think that that's um, the line. <laughs> yeah. He says it enough, Chelsea. Anyway, um, no, my issue so. with this movie is the fact that there isn't a proper villain. There's people who do very questionable well, things. According to you, it's Jake Ryan. <laughs> There's people who do very questionable things, like Jake Ryan, but he's not doing enough questionable things that you're like, that's the villain of the movie. Because, like, there's morally her great activity. Her sister is the villain of the movie. Her sister seems more of a villain. Like, there's there's not a proper villain, though. Like, when you watch Pretty in Pink, the villain, very clearly, is uh, James Spader. When you watch Breakfast Club, villain is the principal. Yeah. Villain is you their need, parents. You need a villain. You need someone to hate. You need When a you villain. watch it. I when don't you, need a villain. When you watch Sixteen Candles, you're sitting there and you're just... It's like you're waiting for, like... Oh, is he going to do something that's really bad and you're going to, like, hate him for what he's going to do? There's stuff that, like, is all morally gray, but there's not a proper villain. The, gr- which the girlfriend? Is, the girlfriend's kind of a villain? Yeah, they all do morally gray stuff, but it's not enough to be, like, they're the bad guy. It's all just like, oh, you know, everyone's doing bad shit. Let's just mm-hmm. join the bad shit wagon. Um, bad shit, not bad shit. Um, uh, also... You have to know your shit. I didn't... Yeah, well, <laughs> there's so many. Um... Jake Ryan, to me, everyone lost their minds over Jake Ryan. Even when I first watched it, I don't find him remotely attractive. No, I do have a shirt that says, I heart Jake Ryan. And you just got it because you like the 80s. You I, don't care I got about it Jake because, Ryan. I got it purely because I really wanted a, a uh, 16 Candles shirt. I've never seen anything else that's 16 Candles related. I have seen a puzzle. A puzzle that's the cover of the movie. That's not a shirt. Oh, I'm trying to get there. <laughs> that's the only thing I've seen that 16 Candles related yeah. to this day. It's a puzzle that you can yeah. get. I am so glad I got this. I got the shirt for $3. Yeah. No one wanted this shirt. <laughs> She's a bargain sales girl. <laughs> uh, the other thing was, uh, when, I like Andy. It, I'm when, Andy I, when I watched it, when I watched it, you're not making your own clothes, Chelsea. Don't overstep. No, but she goes to uh, thrift stores and whatnot. Um... I personally, when I watch it now, even when I watched it then, I'm more invested in Anthony Michael Hall being weird. I tried to make and my own clothes because of, of Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Just had that work for True you? confession. I Did can't you make a cape? Sew. I cannot <laughs> Did sew. you make a cape, Jess? Oh, it was not good. I was so proud of myself. I put it on and I was like, oh shit, this is bad, guys. This is bad. I can't go out in this. Yeah. And You're like, look at me. Yeah. No, don't look at me. Look away. Yeah, look, look away. away. Look away. Um, but yeah, I was more invested in Anthony Michael Hall's character. I think he's literally just called Geek in it. He doesn't have a proper name. Farmer Ted. That's what they call him, Farmer Ted. But I think when you actually watch the credits, I think he's just listed as Geek, the which geek. I find hilarious. The geek. The yeah. Geek. Yeah. Um, but I'm more invested in him and everything that happens for him than anyone else in this. Because mm-hmm. he goes from being obsessed with Molly Ringwald... To doing really disgusting stuff with John Cusack because he's got the hottest girl in school or hottest girl. In I don't quotes. think he's obsessed with. He with is. Molly he specifically. He wants to be with her. Like he just wants any able-bodied woman. Yeah, there you go. He wants any able-bodied woman. Yeah, that's the difference. But he just but wants a woman. She's the closest to what he has in mind. Like he, like she he thinks he can aspire to that and potentially reach that. Yeah, he's like, this is the best as it's going to get. That's within my reach. And then yeah. when he, Jake Ryan is like, hey, can you take my girlfriend home? She's extremely drunk, has yeah. no clue who you are, and yeah. thinks you're me. Yeah, put her in the car. 
And it all turns to shit. But I'm more they invested... They photos and all sorts. Yeah, like, really terrible stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm more invested in what happens to him in that night. I think he sings Birthday better than the Beatles as well. How um, dare you? Uh, How dare and you? I do find that one of his scenes is very iconic in it is when she gives the underwear just so we can seem cool for a night. Yeah, that and is... He's in hold the, on. He's in the... Sam. Molly Ringwald's Sam, character yeah. gives the underwear to him so he can seem cool because that seems like that's all he wants. So she's like, oh... I've had the worst night, you know, maybe I can do something that's decent about it. She gives him her underwear, her, like, briefs, which, nowadays, these would be, like, granny panties to yeah. to anybody else. But, like, in the 80s, it was like, I've got her undies. And all of the dorkiest guys like, in Whoa! school are like, oh my god, he made it with her because he's got the undies. And they're paying, they're paying, like, They're paying, bucks. yeah. It's insane. Which, in the 80s, was, like... 20. Yeah, this is a time before before pornography was on the line. Yeah, so undies was as good as it mm -hmm. was going to get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in addition to Long Duck Donga having the best night of his life, I think you could also say that the geek, Farmer Ted, also had the best night argue, of his life. Yeah. Um, I think it's very clear that Sam is getting the short end of the stick because her night is relatively awful and her day only seems to get better the next day after the wedding and she's forgotten by her family yet again Yeah. after left, the chapel and behind. they're heading to the reception hall or they're or whatever, wherever this they're going. This leads directly they, to John Hughes' later scripts of Home Alone where he yeah. literally leaves the kid at home. Yeah. And Jake Ryan is in his, like, nice God. red what is it, convertible or a Lamborghini or some shit. He's, he's got, like, a fancy Not car. Not a Lamborghini. Whatever. Um, she steps out and he's there and she, and he's like waiting for her and she looks like me and he's like, yeah, you. And she's like all googly eyed and shit and falls apart. But I'm sitting there like, this, this dude showed no interest in you. And then all of a sudden he's there at the chapel. I'd be like worried about Amber Alerts for when he takes me <laughs> and kills me. Because this guy oh, showed no interest in her. He didn't even speak to her before. The most he did was smile at her when she was grabbing her coat before she left the place. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's waiting outside of the chapel. He was staring he, at her, though. When she when she looks behind... There when is it, she's it, writing down that she'd sleep with Jake Ryan on a friggin' health quiz. Yeah. Like a quiz. She 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 looks behind her, like, very... She's trying to be subtle. She kind of puts her the face least to subtle her... subtle thing. To her, <laughs> her chin to her shoulder, and then kind of, like, looks slowly behind her. And she, like, locks eyes immediately. He's staring directly at her. That's a bit of a hint, and then that makes her, like, uncomfortable, like, oh, shit, he's looking at me. He's already interested, but he He's shows... looking at her, though. Yeah, but to her, there's no signs there, like... like... She doesn't see it that way. Well, she literally but... says if he knew that she wrote that she would have sex with Jake Ryan, she'd shit twice and die, is what yeah. she says. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's, like, doing the fakest pull-up in the universe, because yeah. he's taller than the bar in the gym... <laughs> And he's talking to his buddy, he's like, oh, what do you think about Sam? And he's like... Sam who? Sam who? <laughs> you know, you, you got the hottest girl in school, she's got a nice rack, she's got a nice ass, why are you interested in anyone Dude! Else? Yeah. Dude! Yeah, it's just... Dude, you got I, that! You I, that, that, I think, was nuts. And, yeah, the thing for me, I enjoyed the dance more than anything, just because of all the stuff that kind of... The dance for me was kind of like an inciting incident of all the other shit that happens in the evening. Because, like, she's looking at him, and he looks back at her, and she's like, oh my god, I gotta go. And, like, she runs off. What's your point? Meanwhile, so when she runs off, she runs into Anthony Michael Hall, gives him the undies. He has the best night of his life. Then there's the after What's party and all that. I like the dance. I like the dance. I liked uh, when he sings birthday in the messed up car. I thought the underwear scene was kind of funny, even though it's weird. What's your point? 
I You've lost still me. don't really like Sixteen Candles. Okay, it, the, the, so I lost. I I will I'll watch it again just because it's John Hughes, but I don't like it enough that I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm watching it because I like it. I'm watching it because I'm faithful to John Hughes. That's what it is. <laughs> God, I it's a different type of movie. I'll give you that. You, yeah, I, you clearly like the dramedies better. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> the light comedies are not your thing. I. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, that... I like stuff that's light as well, but it's just I don't uh... like it enough in this case. <laughs> that's the only issue. Well, I like Sixteen Candles. Yeah. Um, I know you do because you like the light and, comedies. And I love Molly Ringwald. Yeah, we both love Molly Ringwald because she's my spirit animal, and you're apparently Ducky is your spirit animal. He is in that movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that ends week one of Brett uh, Pack Month. Yes. Looking forward to another three more weeks of this. Which, uh, And if you don't like the Brat Pack, be prepared for three long weeks. Which Brat Packer are you into? Because maybe we'll talk about them next. We shall see. Bye. Bye.